Hello, everybody. Welcome again to Pastor Blair Blakesley and Blaring the Good News of Jesus around the world. I'm glad that, again, I'm glad you're here. Looking forward to uh, an exciting evening. We've got a great topic and hopefully a great challenge that you're going to be willing to jump on with. Uh, for those of you who are looking at my dress attire, you're looking at this, some people think is an ugly sweater, and you're probably maybe may wondering why I'm wearing it. Uh, let me give you a little history about it. I've had this sweater ever since I was 16 years old. And so, yes, when you said in your mind, this looks like a sweater that's back in the 70s, it is back in the 70s. And uh, it was my favorite sweater. Got it from my parents. And um, it's just been a great sweater. I've, I've worn it for years and it's still in great shape. So I don't have any other clothes that I could say that I've had for that long, except maybe my uh, snowmobile ski uh mask that I wore back in those days. That's the other one. Maybe I'll wear that at another uh podcast or YouTube video that I that I do. But anyways, this is significant that I'm wearing this because today's topic is about not showing favoritism. Uh, so I have have the title being favoritism, what lives don't matter. All right. And so what I found was uh, which I'm going to share a scripture verse here. But uh, what's significant about the sweater is that some people get judged based upon the type of clothes that they wear. I just give you a little example of uh, when I was back back in first grade. We had during gym class, our our class was on you know like here's the the gym, the half of the gym our class was in. The other half was for what we called was the special ed class, and uh, so they. They had gym there, we had gym here, and you know, didn't think too much about it. Um, on this one particular day, I, I'm in line for the, I don't know if we, well, I don't even know what game we're playing. We'll just say we're playing kickball and I'm in line waiting to, to kick the ball. But this other team or the other class, the special ed class, um, they were in line also. And so our lines were moving together in pretty much and, and Ralph, was next to me from the special ed class. Um, he's from a poor family. He had some old clothes that are kind of dirty looking and he didn't have any shoes. He had slippers and that, that was his shoes. And, you know, you can, you know, just, you know, can feel bad about that. But while we were standing there together, we had a, a little conversation. I don't even know, I don't remember what we were talking about. It may not have been much. It might've been just a couple words here and there. But at one point, Ralph looked at me and he said, will you be my friend? Isn't that something? I mean, doesn't, doesn't that share the heart of an individual? And I don't just mean first graders. I mean, I mean every age. People are hungering and, and thirsting for friendships, for people to, to love them, to show them that they're valuable, that they're important. And, and you know, to answer your question, you know, the thought process, well, what did you say? Oh, I said, yeah, yeah, I'll be your friend. And, uh, yeah, but can you imagine, can you imagine what, what maybe he would have thought if I'd have said, um, you know, kind of looked around, maybe my friend's standing behind me going, no, not him. He's, he's from the special ed class and uh, um, he's got dirty clothes and look, he doesn't even have any shoes on. He's got slippers on. Like, like, is that how we want to judge people? Is that, you know, 
Is that what we want to do? We want to show favoritism based upon someone's appearance or how they're dressed? No, that's, that's, not what, that's not what God is desiring of us. I just want to share with you a, a passage uh, in the Bible. It's James 2, verses 1 through 5. And it says this. And, and the title of it is Favoritism Forbidden. That's the title of it. But here's, here's the scripture. It says, my brothers and sisters, believers in our Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing uh, a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, hey, 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 here, here's a good seat and sit next to me. But you say to the poor man, uh, you, 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 you stand, you stand over there, or, or you can sit at my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves to become judges with evil thoughts? I mean, the Bible is really clear. We're not supposed to show favoritism. Put one person above the other person. And, you know, the moment we, the moment we begin to show any type or any form of favoritism is when we let love begin to uh, dissipate from our heart or from our lives. It's when we let love begin to be squelched and we let unlove begin to become more predominant in, in our heart. And I say unlove, really a, a form of hatredness. And, uh, and, and that's, that's just something God wants us to guard, to guard ourselves against. He doesn't, he doesn't want us to show fear. In fact, it's like, stop it. Stop it. And, and we all do it. And that's the thing. We all do it at some point in our lives, and I say lives, meaning it doesn't stop. There's always something that comes up, you know, somewhere along, you know, in our period of months, weeks, days, or whatever, that we end up showing some form of favoritism. Uh, we look at somebody and, and judge them with evil thoughts. Uh, that's, that's that person. We, we don't associate with that person or whatever, whatever the thought process. And God is just saying, no, I, I want I want my love to shine into your life so that you feel loved. And then I want you now to take my love and show it to other people so that they understand what love really is all about. Man, we should be excited about that. But the thing is, it's, it's hard. And it's hard for kids to, and, and I'm sure adults, but I just think of having worked with youth for, for many years, just realize the thought process that they have sometimes when they see somebody that's not popular or is annoying that they like they don't want to be friends with them because they don't want to commit social suicide like if I become friends with this person then I'm going to lose my friends and I'd rather show favoritism than be isolated boy if God could just help Help us all just change our hearts and pursue people with the love that he's asked them to pursue it with. Um, you know, you might go, you know, Pastor Blair, really, I'm just not, I'm really not a person that shows a lot of favoritism. I'm, I'm really not. I'm, I feel like that's maybe one of my strengths. And, and, and if that is, then that's great. But I just want you to, if anyone thinks I'm really not that big on favoritism, I just want to say, just be careful. Be careful with that thought process. Let me just share a story. When we, uh, boy, I, I went to uh, a Baptist church when I was younger. They were doing, it wasn't a church I normally attended, but they were doing Christmas caroling. I got invited to go. And uh, 
I'm I'm probably 10, maybe 11 years old, and uh, we've got a 15 passenger van. Actually, it wasn't 15 passengers because the seat, the back seat was gone. So we'll just say it was a 10 passenger van. The back seat was gone. And there was a black tire, big black spare tire in the back of the of the van, and uh, and then they had cars, people that kind of uh, jumped into different vehicles and we all went to different, you know, the same place to sing Christmas caroling. And one of the families that came was a, just a poor, just a poor family. Um, you know, their clothes weren't up to date by any means. Uh, they weren't popular kids and weren't treated oftentimes with respect, but their dad was a great singer and they just made sure they invited him so that he could lead people in, in the in the singing when we started our Christmas caroling song, you know, for Jesus. And uh, the van that I rode in was for the for the youth. So sometimes, you know, when people jumped in the van, some of them have, sometimes had to sit in the back, which was no big deal. Like we all kind of like, you know, we raced for the van and boom. You know. Now the, the poor kids, they went with their dad. They drove in the vehicle with their, their dad. So when Christmas caroling was about done, this, this guy, you know, the gentleman that could sing with his kids, you know, poor family, um, his car broke down. So he said to our van driver, hey, could you could you take my kids home? I, I'm going to have to wait for someone to come. I don't want my kids to get home late. He's like, yeah, they can go with us. Well, I'll tell you what, boy, it was it was terrible. You know, I, I remember jumping in the front seat, not the front seat, because you have the driver and the passenger seat, but that front row, the seat, boom, I remember me jumping right in there. And uh, as those kids came in, the, the one kid jumped in our seat and the person sitting next to me said, no, you can't sit there, get in the back. And then you go to the next row, get in the back. So they, all the, the siblings sat in the back with the black tire by themselves. And in my, in my spirit, I'm thinking, well, that's, that's terrible. I mean, that's, that's, Rude. But now, then the kids started this. Make sure you take the, the I'll just make up a last name, the Jones family home first. Take them home first. Yeah, take them home first. And I just sat there just feeling sorry for them. You know, but before I pat myself on the back for doing a good job, not showing favoritism, I just want you to, to realize my silence really is just as guilty as someone showing blatantly verbally their favoritism because to say nothing makes the, the the kids in the back if me saying nothing is going to make the kids in the back feel as if i'm not for them i'm against them just like everybody else do you understand silence doesn't mean we have the privilege and the right to pat ourselves on the back for being so self-righteous we're guilty. We're just as guilty. I've asked myself, and I've even used this illustration when I go and speak to the youth, you know, about showing love and respect and not showing favoritism. And, and then I give them this scenario. Then I ask them this question. What, what, what should we, what should have been done? What, what should we have done? What, what should I have done? 
What should the, the driver have done? Well, they said, take them home first. And you know what? He took them home first. What, what should have been done differently if we were going to put into practice not showing favoritism? Uh, some kids said, well, the bus driver should have said, hey, guys, knock it off. Maybe he should have said, and you know what? Move them up to the front. This is not the way we treat our visitors here. And me, I should have said, hey, there's no reason he can't sit here. And if they said he could sit in the back, then I should have got up and went in the back and sat with them. You know what I'm saying? Favoritism just comes in different forms. It comes in the blatant verbal, but it comes in the silence also. And just something that I just believe God wants us, just wants us to be careful of. You know, schools are schools are great places, or should I say terrible places, to find all forms of favoritism. And kids, I'll tell you what, they uh you know, it just scares me sometimes because of the way kids are treated uh, based upon their appearance, their looks, their um, their behaviors um, in lack of sports or or cognitive thinking or whatever. It's just uh, kids just get picked on for the worst things. There's this one girl that came to our youth group. She ended up moving to another town. She shared she was sharing this. She moved from this city to the adjoining city. Now, when it came to sports, they were rivalries. I mean, they were great rivalries. So she moved from this town to this town. And when she moved in there and those kids found out she was from the rivalry city. I mean, she got picked on brutally. We don't like anybody from such and such a town. Um, you're, you're ugly uh, go back to your own city. In fact, if I were you, I would kill myself. I mean, they were just terrible. And she said, you know, she just, she just, like she was there hoping to find a friend treated with dignity and respect. And, and she just said, she, she just got up and, and looked out the window and tears were just, I mean, her eyes just watered and tears came down her face. The moment we show favoritism, is the moment we let love disappear and hatredness begin to take birth in our heart. And that's, that's, that's destructive to the heart of another person. And, and we, just have to, we just have to be careful how we treat people. We all do, including myself, my goodness. Um, I just remember uh, uh, this mentally handicapped student. I don't know if you guys remember Rachel Joy Scott. She was the first girl killed at the Columbine School. And she was a Christian. She, she had a huge, huge impact on people's lives because of her faith in Christ. I mean, she loved people. She just, she, she just loved people. In fact, she did a paper that got an award in her school uh, that just said, if we would show act of kindness to, to another individual, and, and then that individual show act of kindness to another individual. We could change the world. And, uh, and she put it into practice. And so uh, she was in, in the lunchroom sitting at the, you know, they had the round tables. Kids sat in the lunch tables. And, and uh, this new girl came and uh, came to school. 
And, she, you know, it's her first day of school for crying out loud. And she has her cafeteria tray with her food on it. And she's looking for a place to sit. She goes to this table and the girls go, you can't sit here. Oh, there's rejection one. Goes to another table. No, no, you can't sit here. Boom. And so she's just, you know, just distraught. So she found a table in the back where nobody else was sitting. And she sat there by herself. And I'm sure she was just heartbroken. And maybe, maybe there was, maybe there was no tears, but I've got to venture to say there was just, there had to be watering of eyes. I mean, she was broken. And Rachel Joy Scott, who just had a heart for people, uh, sitting at her table, and she had two other friends are sitting with her. And she said, let's go sit with this girl. And so they got up and started sitting with her. And they find out this girl's story. And the girl's story was, uh, my mom died. And I can't remember if it was from a disease or a cancer or, or you know what it was that she died of, but she died. And her, her and her uh, dad, um, you know, he decided, hey, we're going to move. We, he just couldn't stand, you know, living there at the same place with all the the, the heart-wrenching memories, you know, losing his wife and everything. So they moved to a different city and uh, and that was her story. And so she became friends with Rachel Joy Scott and, and a couple of her friends and stuff. So, you know, what a blessing that was. So it's great when somebody says, I'm not going to be like the rest of the world. I'm going to be different. And, and boy, if, and we as Christians should be setting the tone. We should be the examples of that. Jesus is in my life, then, then let's let Jesus shine through our lives to impact other lives. Another thing that she did, she was the, the mentally handicapped, I was going to say, the mentally handicapped kid uh, was being picked on by, you know, some of the, the athletes. And uh, boy, I mean, that just got Rachel um, fired up. I mean, just picking on this kid and even in pushing him. And boy, she, she saw that she just ran up. I mean, here, I mean, she's a petite girl and uh, she just goes up in between the, the mentally handicapped kid and the and this boy, you know, this athlete. And she's got her fists up saying, don't touch him again. If, if you're going to do anything to him, you're going to have to come through me first. You know, she's she's defending this mentally handicapped kid, you know, to the end. And, the, you know, the kid just kind of like looked at her. You know, what's he going to do? I mean, he would be like, what kind of a man are you to? To beat up a anybody, you know, and uh, this petite young girl here. So he just kind of like walked away. But but here's here's the story. Here's the story. Of the mentally handicapped kid in his in his backpack that he was that he carries with him with his books in there was a suicide letter. He was going to end his life because of being rejected and not feeling loved and accepted. And when he after Rachel was shot at the Columbine school from one of the students that came in with, with guns and, and, you know, said to her, do you believe in God? And she said, yes, I do. And he said, well, today you're, you're going to meet him. Or no, he said, today I'm going to help you meet him. And she, and he shot him, shot her. And uh, so when they interviewed some of these kids, they interviewed this handy, you know, mentally handicapped kid. And he said, she saved my life. She saved my life. There's another kid that she would treat with love and respect. It was it was a it was a you know one of the bad kids you know from a from a, a rough background, broken family, just you know one of the bad kids. And the Christians would you know, some of the Christians in the school would not have anything to do with him because he was one of the bad kids. 
but Rachel would would treat him with love and respect. And she she didn't know his life story. She didn't know what what crap he, uh, has occurred in his life. She didn't know, but she knew that he was created by God, and and was deserving of love and dignity and respect. And so she treated him in such. And this, you know, bad kid loved Rachel for that, respected Rachel for that. And when they interviewed him about Rachel, this was, this was his response about Rachel. He said this, Rachel was who a Christian is supposed to be. Wow. Is that convicting? Is that convicting? Does that convict your heart? Yeah, it, it does. Because we're not always like that. Churches can even be places where there's favoritism. Um, you know, I've, I've told this story to, to the youth and said, well, what, what, would, what should have been done differently? Or what would you have done if you weren't going to show favoritism in this situation? And it seemed to get their response. But, you know, we would have youth on Sunday night, get the groups together. And, you know, we'd have, depending on the time of year, we'd have, you know, maybe 40 kids that would come. And uh, every once in a while, we'd get a new kid. And I always tried to, you know, educate the leaders that, hey, when a new kid comes, we need to love on them. We need to make sure that they know that they're, they're significant, they're valuable. I don't know what happened, but this given Sunday, nobody was nobody was interacting with them. They didn't get them involved in the games because when they come, you know, we have like free time, then we have game, and then we have songs, worship songs, and then I a message, and, and then sometimes we would have like a little small group. We didn't this particular day have small groups, but um, where those kids came in, they kind of sat off by themselves, a brother, sister, and uh, nobody... Um, Nobody invited them into their little groups, their little cliques or anything like that. And they get involved in the games and uh, went out for worship. And boy, we went out to the, the youth room. There were four rows. I take that back. There was three rows of seats. And we had, um, it was broken up with an aisle. So we had the third row on this side filled with kids. The third row on this side filled with kids. The first row on this side filled with kids. And the first row on this side filled with kids. In the second row was one kid. And it was the new kid, the brother, sitting in the second row by himself. Then we have this second row with one person sitting And it's the new person, the sister. You think they ever came back to youth? No. What? Why? I mean, why would they? I mean, what? What is it about the youth, the youth group, that would make them feel like this is the place you want to be? Now, listen. I don't. I don't say that story to make you think that, boy, that that was a horrible youth group. I I say that for this for this reason. We had we had great we had a great youth group. We just had a great youth group. But, but there's times when we all fail at, at being the, the love that we're supposed to be. And uh, that was one of those days. And boy, it was addressed. 
amongst the leadership, it was addressed. Okay, how, what are we going to do differently if this doesn't happen again? And the kids were great. You know, they're like, you know, I'm, you know, hey, I'm sorry. And kids, you know, they're they're struggling with their securities, and so they're afraid to branch out and invite a new person because they're struggling with their own uh, identity. And so, so it's you know, it's it's tough for both sides, the guilty and the unguilty, the unguilty. So we just need compassion. We need encouragement. We need to um, help each other to, to walk in the direction that Christ is calling us to. Um, here, here's something, you know, Jesus, when it came to not showing favoritism, he didn't care about the color of a person's skin. He didn't care about a person's race. And uh I guess I want to, maybe I'll just read it. Well, in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19, there are 10, 10 lepers, 10 men who have leprosy, which is a disease of the skin. In fact, if they got it too bad, they could actually lose fingers or lose, lose uh, partial parts of their body, their nose, uh, toes, whatever. They, it's just a, a horrible skin disease. And... Um, they weren't allowed to be around other people. And Jesus uh, is ministering near Samaria, near Samaria, where Samaritans were, but where Jews also were. He was on the border of the, the Samaritan side of the line and the Jewish side of the line. And uh, what's significant about that is why would Jesus be around the Samaritans? Because the Samaritans are the people that the Jews didn't like. Because the Jews were one race, the non-Jews were up here. The Samaritans were the half-breeds. They were the ones where the, the Jews and the, the non-Jews intermingled in marriage, had kids, and they were called half-breeds. And it's just like today, like I don't see it, I don't see this being an issue anymore. I'm sure it is somewhere. Someone could say, oh yeah, it's an issue here. Okay. But it's not an issue that I see anymore. But when I worked as a counselor, one of the girls that was in my in my group was uh, her her parents were both black and white, and so she was called a zebra. So that you know she struggled with that, and her identity she struggled with: am I a white person or am I a black person? And uh, so just it was tough. So that's the same thing. Samaritans were that considered the half breeds or the zebras, and uh, and the Jews didn't like them. And here's Jesus. He's hanging out where the Samaritans are. Because he loves all races. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't look at any particular race and say, hey, disciples, people who love me, come here. You see this race over here? This race doesn't matter. No. No. It does matter to him. And it's supposed to matter to us. And that's the problem. When God looks at a race, he doesn't look at the color of their skin. We, we do. The people that God created look at race and, and look at their skin color. And, 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 and notice there's no race that's innocent of this. You look at any race, there's groups of people in every race that is saying, uh, this race is not, not important. This race doesn't matter. Now, there might be 
a lot of people in this race that are innocent. There might be fewer in this. All I'm saying, I'm not trying to say one race is worse than another. Hey, we're guilty, period. And every race is guilty. So all I'm saying is this. God doesn't look at us based upon our skin color. You know, I've, I've heard conversations and I can, I can even remember doing it myself. I try not to do it anymore. And maybe I do just out of habit. I don't know, but I feel like this is area that I've been able to overcome. But, you know, you hear a conversation where you know, someone say, yeah, I was in the grocery store yesterday and I was talking to this black man and uh, we got on a conversation about, well, wait a second, wait a second. Why was it important? to say that the man that he was talking to was black. What, what is significant about that? Or why was it important to say that he was black? Does the skin color matter? No, it, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't matter to us what the skin color is. And that's what I'm saying. God doesn't look at the color of one's skin. He looks at the heart of a person because this is his desire. He wants the heart of the person to represent what love is really all about. And the greatest place we can find, the greatest role model that we can find of love would be Christ. Now, if you're an anti-God, anti-Jesus, and you think that he was a homophobic or whatever, whatever you're thinking, then you got a bad picture of who Jesus was because he died for everybody. There wasn't one person or one race that he didn't die for. And he did it out of love. And so he wants us to capture him, a relationship with him where, where the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and teaches us to love ourselves so that we can, can understand his love so that we can then love others without showing favoritism, no matter who they are, how they look, how they dress, what the skin color is. Boy, if I can give you this challenge for this week, this is the challenge. And I want, I want to hear your testimony. Respond to me on the YouTube. Respond to me on Facebook and text me or whatever. I don't care how you do it. I just want to see testimonies. It'd be great if you did it on the YouTube so everybody could see the, the testimonies. But, but this is the challenge. Who's somebody that you know that you think, hmm, they don't, they don't have a lot of friends. They don't get treated with love, dignity, and respect. Who's that one person? Boy, I just challenge you to, to reach out to that person in the next seven days. Whether it be at work, it's, it's going. In fact, pray to the Lord. Dear God, please show me. There's someone that I can, can show your love to and not show favoritism. So that when the, when we leave in our conversation, they feel like they're the most important person in the world. You know what I'm saying? That's how, that's how people should leave when, they, when, when they're done having a conversation with us. They should leave thinking, wow, he, he or she just made me feel like I was the most important person in the world. Let's do that. All right, let's do that. I look forward to hear from you. I, I truly do. I mean, I, that's the part I love about, you know, do, doing the podcast. That's my favorite part, hearing the response of, of, of you.
So God bless you. Look forward to it. Hey, you're awesome. You're beautiful. You're amazing. There's nothing, there's nothing ugly about you. You are God's creation. You're beautiful with a great, great purpose. Keep your eyes on him. Hope you have a great, hope you have a great week. Love you.